This is Boomer in the Morning with Ryan Pinder on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Now, apparently, Father's Day is on the way. Ruh-roh. Yeah, apparently, this is one of those it's one of those kind of days where I don't have to sweat it. It's like Valentine's Day, uh, anniversary, birthday, holiday. Oh, God, I got to get a card. I got to get a card. Finally, I get to take my foot off the gas here. And it can make it easy uh, for you guys, too, as we are going to be giving you a chance to win a dozen Wild Roses, a little sample pack of Wild Rose Brewery beer and a $50 gift card to experience the tap room for Father's Day. So uh, stay, uh, keep listening. Details on how that's going to shake down in time for Father's Day. Brought to you by Wild Rose Brewery. You can stop by the tap room in the Curry Barracks for some cold beerations. Look for their new 100% recyclable, recyclable can carriers in store now. I'm going to have to change the way that's written because I'm... It's like hack, 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 hack. It's going to be hard. It's hard enough at this time of day to uh, get my uh, get my mind straight. And speaking of beer, I was looking on uh, our next guest on his Twitter bio, and it says a self-proclaimed beer snob. Pleased to be joined by the snobby one, Dave Randorf, the play-by-play voice of the Tampa Bay Lightning. I did, I would not have pictured you in such. Descri- explain yourself. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. I am a, uh, <clears throat> not shy to say, definitely a beer snob. In fact, I was listening intently to, I was thinking Wild Rose Brewery. I've never yeah. heard that one. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have to check that out when I'm there in Calgary next. Uh, I, I, you know, like many people, I, I just have gravitated toward this whole craft brew explosion that we've experienced over the last, I guess, five to 10 years. And interesting to know that I just assumed that when I moved to here to Tampa and, and to Florida, that I would be drinking, uh, you know, Bud Light and uh, and Miller <laughs> Light the rest of my life. I just didn't didn't think they would have, uh, you know, any kind of cool craft brew places. Well, I could not be more wrong. I mean, it it is an awesome awesome scene here. For if you like beer, there is uh, all kinds of fantastic little uh, brew pubs here. So uh, I'm happy to report that uh, I'm, I'm my snobbery lives here in Tampa Bay. Well, I like you know I I don't mind that. Uh, but and I would also think that once you've moved to Tampa, your beer consumption would go up, being that it's always beer drinking weather. It's never one of those days where it's like, oh, geez, I'm maybe in for a, a a hot toddy today. It's always cold beer. Or it's always cold beer weather in Tampa, right? Yeah, no, you're not you're not wrong. And uh, yeah, you definitely have to remind yourself that uh, you know I live here. I'm not on vacation. I can't sit at a patio every afternoon. So, I am. I mean, maybe yeah. you could, but you know, you really would. Uh, it wouldn't be healthy you know, lifestyle, that's for sure. Well, a matinee game yesterday and a big win, huge goal by Palat in the final minute. There were probably some nice, uh, nice ones chilled for the uh, the Lightning players after that one. A huge win. Not that it, I'll tell you what we talked about it. I never feel like the Lightning are in trouble until maybe they're. It's the last period of a game where they're down in the series and down in the game. The resiliency just continues, and I know we talked after last round watching Kucherov and and the Lightning do what they do. But you you saw it again; they're never out of a game. It feels like they're never out of a series. I I don't know what it's going to take to to kill this team, but we haven't seen it yet. Uh, another impressive performance by these guys. It wasn't must win, but it would have made life very uncomfortable if they lose yesterday. Yeah, no, no. Well, let's face it; it probably would have been over if they go down uh, three nothing to a very good New York Ranger team. By the way, the Ranger team, you know, I, I kind of felt they definitely had something going on 
you know, coming out of the first round, I couldn't quite put my finger on it. When you look at their roster and, and their relative lack of playoff experience uh, compared to other teams, particularly the goaltending position, despite the season that he had and everything like that, and a lot of guys who had not really, even guys who had played in the playoffs, with the exception of Chris Kreider, hadn't really accomplished much in the playoffs. Well, they are uh, definitely turning uh, the tables on that entire stat, top to bottom. They don't know what they don't know, this group. And they are coming at you in waves. They've got a very deep lineup right now. You know, when you consider the Red Hot's advantage ad and Panarin play on separate lines, and then you've got that kid line, which has been a big handful. But, you know, to get back to your point about the Lightning, you know, I liken them to, you know, I was thinking about this too, you know, when the Leafs had their chance going into, uh, you know, games, going into game six, um, you know, when they when they kind of had command of the, of the, they had a leg up on the Lightning, I was thinking it's like that when we were kids and you're watching that horror movie, right? And they think they killed the guy and you're sitting there watching the movie going, no. He's not dead. Yeah. You've got to go back in there. Yeah. <laughs> I know the place is on fire and the lights are out and it's raining, but you need to go back in there and kill him again. And that's generally what the, the story is with the lighting. It, it really is. And, uh, you know, their core players, their stars, their fingerprints, look, just, just look at the summary. Even if you didn't see the game, just look at the summary and see who stood up when, when they needed it and got things done when they needed it, uh, going down 2 nothing in the game and trailing 2-1 going into the third period again at home. You know, it's just uh, it's just a remarkable group, and I think I said last time I was on with you guys that just the notion of them being this close to history, to a three-peat, is, is just such a, a massive part of this equation uh, for this group. They know they are right there, and they're not going to go down uh, easily. You're really going to have to knock them out because they are going to just – kick and scratch and claw until they are officially out i said this last week dave and i i feel like i've kind of shifted gears i i'm i i guess i'm kind of like today's like i don't know today's youth and i'm not young but it's i have i have a short attention span i i move past things very quickly the news cycle and how it moves and, and i'll be honest the two cups it was like it's time maybe for somebody else that's enough for tampa bay they did what they did it's impressive but the more they win and the way that they're doing, just showing you know, with just the balls that it is, the, the guts to come back and win these games, I'm now on the get, get number three. It, this team deserves to be dynastic and regarded as one of the best that we've seen in our lifetime. I, I'm now on, I'm fully on the lightning train for whatever reason, and I wonder if people can start to maybe root for that story a little more than they have in the past. I certainly understand, you know, being a sports fan myself, uh, you know, I get it when you get a little bit of fatigue with one team that always seems to be there and in it. And even though the team hasn't won it every year, they're they're in it pretty much every year. I mean, when you consider, just look back over the last eight years, they missed the playoffs once. They got swept another time. And other than that, they've been a threat um, going to multiple conference finals and a couple of Stanley Cup finals, including one that they lost, remember, against Chicago. So, um, yeah, I understand that. But, but I think you're looking at it the right way as, as just a sports fan. And I know everybody's still probably very disappointed there in uh, the Flames losing to the Edmonton Oilers, especially now it's what's happening to, to Edmonton against Colorado. I, I certainly get that. I, I know about the passion in that market. And it's hard to kind of just turn your attention and, and cheer for anybody else after kind of being a little bit gutted after the Flames had that great season. But... Um, I, I do think this is something to be recognized. If you like hockey and you like sports, 
it's probably unlikely you are going to see another team in a salary cap era have a legit shot at multiple cups, like three in a row. It uh, clearly has not happened very often. Only two teams have done it, the, the Penguins and the Lightning, and the Lightning are going to go potentially move into even more rare air with a third. So it's it's impressive. And you know what? I, I will say it's, it's a likable group in, in the way they play. Uh, they're an exciting team. They've got a great, spectacular goalie who's fun to watch. Uh, they're full of character guys that you can't help but like. I mean, there's, there's lots of pro athletes that are great athletes, that, but they're not the most likable guys. But, uh, you know, try and convince me that Victor Hedman is not a likable person or that Steven Stamkos is not a great, likable captain who's very well spoken after games, win or lose. Um, it's, it's a team and organization that really does things the right way and projects that image out into the community in which they play. And that's why they're embraced so heavily here. So, yeah, you know what? There's lots of room on the Lightning bandwagon. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. If you can find it in if you can find it in your Calgary Flames heart, yeah. uh, you know, jump on, and I'll, and I'll buy you a craft beer. That'd be good. Yeah, we'll go to uh, we'll go to the tap room when you come to town next year. So I look yesterday, and it's not. I was kind of surprised because it feels like even going back to last round uh, that the New York Rangers they've been feasting on the power play. Yesterday they go up one nothing. They go up two nothing both on power play goals. I was kind of surprised that in game two they didn't get a power play goal, but in in this game, I wonder what it feels like if they don't get those. And I guess it's you, you can't just take two goals off the board. But in playoffs, we, we tend to think that maybe things tighten up. I wonder how the Rangers are feeling that five on five, they generated very little yesterday and were badly outshot. Uh, from, from a Tampa Bay perspective, is it is it a show a little bit more discipline? They were trying to get to Shesterkin, which, again, you're going to do with how he's played so far. But I wonder, do you try and dial it back a little bit? Or if you're Tampa, do you just keep going with what you're doing? Well, they definitely have to be careful in staying out of the box, uh, the Lightning do, because, as you just pointed out, they are really feeling it with the man advantage. In particular, Mika Zibanejad is having a career playoff performance for him. And Kreider's, uh, you know, getting close to 60 goals on over the course of this full season, regular season and playoffs. And he's their all-time leading playoff goal scorer. Did you know that? Does that surprise you? To, I saw to that. that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 So, um, you know, the, it's it's something to be reckoned with. You don't want to stay, uh, keep on taking penalties against this this power play unit. As for the goalie interference calls, you know, listen, they, yes, was there some kind of contact? Yes. Was there a little bit of you know, acting on, on the part of Shesterkin, probably. Yeah, there was, you know, a little gamesmanship there. It's the playoffs. You do what you need to do. Uh, I, I, I don't really see um, Shesterkin getting completely laid out in, mm-hmm. in any of those plays. But, uh, the, again, they, you do not want to go, um, go a man down against the Rangers. They've proven that against uh, the Lightning and the previous two rounds. Having said that, you're right, 52 shots. They added a shot late. Uh, last night so 52 shots on that 84 shot attempts this was easily their most explosive and uh and hard effort they put forward so far in the playoffs particularly in the third period i just got this sense going into the third even though they were down that the lightning were going to be fine because there was a lot to like about their game and their push that they had they didn't have much in the first two games in new york they really didn't for whatever reason i don't know whether it was uh you know, they were just flat and not urgent enough, or the Rangers were taking things away, or a combination of the two. But they dug down. They found it in the third period of game number two at Madison Square Garden, a game they lost and fell, uh, fell short by one goal. But they, they, even though they say you can't carry over from game to game, I felt they did. 
and they came out meaning business at home last night. So um, it's a very good point you bring up. You know, the, I think the Rangers need to find another level five on five because Vasilevsky is stopping what he can see, and the Lightning are, are more than happy to block lots of shots. And uh, they went yesterday for the first time in the series with the traditional 12 forwards and 60 instead of 11 and 7. Uh, and I think that helped balance things out, get a little bit more flow to their four-line attack. Because remember, they're still playing without Braden Point. Oh, by the way, you know, I mean, that's, that's another minor thing that people kind of tend to, to forget here with this, this run. They've been without him since game seven of round one. So, uh, you know, it's, it's, advantage, it's advantage lightning. You know, a couple of players said to me after the game last, last night or yesterday afternoon that this was a series changer. And they didn't say that in a cocky way. They said it in a matter-of-fact way that we know we're in their heads now. Dave Randorf, play-by-play voice of the Tampa Bay Lightning, our guest here. You mentioned Braden Point. Is there, is, is there any way that you'd have an update? Uh, we saw him on the ice. We saw him take a tumble into the corner. It looked like a serious injury when it happened, where he was, his mobility was, was just almost, almost nothing. He had to get help to get on the bench and then to the room. Uh, any news there as far as a potential return to the playoffs for him? No, there isn't. Uh, no, no news. I wish I could share something other than the fact that he has been skating the last few days um, after practice. And I think it was on the ice yesterday. It was reported. I wasn't there for the morning uh, skate because it really was one. It was an afternoon game. But he went out there for about 60 to 65 minutes. So he was really... Uh, really trying to, you know, make his case. And in fact, there's, uh, there's, there's reports. One of the guys on local radio here is saying things like he's, he's heard that he's really been pushing the trainers and coaches to get back into the lineup, which I wouldn't doubt. I mean, I have no um, confirmation that, but I certainly wouldn't doubt it knowing the gamer that Braden point is. And, and, you know, lots of players would do the same thing, but it's the, you know, it's the ultimate risk reward thing. You know, I guess, John Cooper and company feel he's not ready, and they also feel that this now is not the time to, you know, in case of emergency, break glass because obviously you put him at risk for anything going forward. And uh, until they reach that absolute breaking point where they, they really think they need that extra push, and he can convince he and the trainers that he's ready to go, uh, I don't think we're going to see him till, man, if this game, if this series goes six, yeah. uh, maybe seven, perhaps. Uh, or if they're fortunate enough to make it to the final, I think that he would be on track to return then. They've said as much. Uh, for those who don't know, yeah, he got tangled up in the first period. It was kind of an innocuous thing. He just got tangled up along the far boards. First period, game seven at Toronto. As you pointed out, had to be helped off. Came back out to start the second, which surprised myself and my broadcast partner, Brian Engblom. Uh, we were broadcasting the first round, and he gave it a go, one shift, but within... 15 seconds, you could tell he didn't have it. He stayed on the bench the rest of the night, did not leave the bench for the second or the third, despite the fact that he knew he wasn't going to play. He just uh, stayed out there, you know, with the guys. And uh, that's the last time he's been on the bench. That was an interesting sequence, wasn't it? Because I'm with you. Watching how he left the ice and had to be helped to the bench, for him to even be on the bench for the next period was, okay, well, maybe he's just going to sit out there. It's a big game. He's going to support his teammates. And then he went on the ice. How does I, I just wonder how does that happen? If it's anybody but Braden Point who has scored overtime winners for this team, he's such a playoff guy for them and is such a key part of that team. Is it and if it's anybody else, do they do they get uh, John Cooper to to let him on the ice? Do they convince the coach, or is it only because he's a guy like Braden Point? Uh, I think probably a little bit more the latter there, yeah. and I'm just guessing. 
it's interesting. I watched uh, the Quest for the Cup, you know, videos that are being put out there, and there was some audio from the lightning bench uh, of that moment. I guess that microphone's near the bench or, or on John Cooper. And um, he comes out for the second period, sits on the bench, and, and Cooper looks at him and goes, Pointer, are you good? Like as, as if he was surprised, surprised yeah, yeah. anybody to see him there. <laughs> because And you can see how that happens. You know, things move so fast in an intermission and in a game seven night for sure. You know, the coaches are off looking at video and talking to guys individually perhaps. And, and next thing you know, they're all back out there on the bench. And they're like, okay, Braden, are you going to be all right here? And all right, let's give it a go. Steven Stamkos did the same thing when he was injured. He stayed on the bench as well in the Stanley Cup final a couple of years ago. So it wasn't the first time we've seen a member of this tight-knit lightning group do that kind of thing, uh, stay on the bench even though they weren't going to play. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to say that uh, Point's more important than Stamkos, their captain, who's had a great year. But, listen, he, Point brings more to the table in terms of his overall 200-foot game. I don't think there's any question about that. And uh, you just mentioned his his clutch factor that he's had over the last two years. They miss it. And uh, while they won yesterday and had a tremendous push from top to bottom, all four lines, uh, you know, it, it's a massive hole. He's your number one center. Yeah. Yeah. And and has, like you say, just has that clutch gene. When the game is on the line, you feel, you feel so much more comfortable with him on the ice. Uh, than almost anybody else. I was kind of watching and, and looking at this at this series, and on the Rangers side, you see a guy like Andrew Kopp. He came in at the deadline, has been so good for them. Their, their deadline acquisitions, or at least guys that they added near the deadline, have really come through for them. To a lesser extent, maybe for Tampa Bay, a guy like Nick Paul and a guy like uh, Brandon Hagel haven't put up the the same type of numbers or the gaudy numbers, but man, they're getting some quality minutes. Seventeen twenty for Nick Paul yesterday. Hagel fifteen seventeen had five shots on net. In it, you're not going to have the same type of contributions on a team that has Kucherov and Stamkos and those types of guys, but they they are getting value out of those ads right now. Yeah, you know, if you looked at, I mean, Andrew Cox obviously putting up offensive numbers that I think are, are exceeding their expectations for the Rangers for sure. But, you know, to get back to the guys you just mentioned, if you just looked at the summer, I didn't see the game. Oh, Lightning won again and all their stars got on the board. Nah, and Nick Paul didn't do anything. That would just flat out be wrong. And, and with all due respect, Paul, I thought, was tremendous yesterday. Absolutely. One of their best players. Yeah. Uh, his pen, he had an awesome penalty kill in the first period. He's taking a lot of face-offs. He's being leaned upon to play an elevated role, mainly because of what we just talked about. With points out, he's, he's moved up the lineup and, and is being leaned on in all situations and has really come into that room and has been himself. He's, he's, a, confident, he's, a, he's a confident guy. He's a big forward, rangy guy who can hang on to the puck and, and can really lean on you. And, uh, and his game has, has really gone to a different level there. Think about walking into that room. You come from Ottawa that hasn't won anything and, uh, and don't, does not have a culture of winning is what I'm trying to say. And he walks in there and there's all these cups and rings all over the room. There's Stamkos and Hedman and Kucherov and Bassey. And they welcome him in. Same thing with, with Hagel as well, another Western Canadian guy. They, they welcome him in as well and allow them to be themselves because this organization has proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that if they're going to add somebody, they have fully vetted you. Their pro scouts have been up and down what you bring specifically on and off the ice. 
Therefore, the players go, oh, okay, we brought in Nick Paul. Well, there must be a, a great reason why. So he's one of us now. Immediately, they make them feel like one of the one of the key guys. And uh, and Paul has really shown that. He has been uh, excellent. I know they'd love to keep him. He's a UFA. Uh, they're right up against the cap. They would have to do a whole bunch of stuff to, to, to in fact, to accommodate him. But uh, make no mistake, Nick Paul has been excellent. Hagel uh, has been hurt. He has been blocking shots. He's not a huge guy. He plays way bigger than he is. And uh, this is his first time in the class, like Paul. And he is not 100%. He's probably closer to 85, maybe 90. So that's kind of limiting his his range. But uh, he's been good as well. They've both been good at. And last one, I think every time we get you on, or I just find myself, I'm I'm fascinated by Nikita Kucherov. Just the, 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 we know what, what he is as a player, but but the guy, he just seems to be so laissez-faire. It's not that he he doesn't look like a competitor because he clearly is, but it just seems like everything moves a little bit slower for him. He's not the fastest skater. He's not overly big. He he's not a four checker or a grinder. His brain is at such another level, and you saw it yesterday. The goal that he scores, it's almost like he's placing it as opposed to just most guys are going to put their head down and just rip a one-timer as hard as they can. For him, it looked like he was just kind of you know, picking his spot, just very surgical with it. And the pass that he makes for the game-winning goal, I don't know how many guys are making that play. His smarts None. and IQ are at such a different level for for him who when you look at I think you look at him in street clothes you'd be I, I don't know what does this guy do oh he's one of the best players in the world he's amazing to yeah. me yeah you've really kind of nailed it he is he is brilliant listen Nikita Kucherov can be the most brilliant player in a game and the most frustrating player in the game at the same time and last night is another example I mean he he's in on all three of the goals he's the reason they win the game and get that late game winner Yet he's also the same guy that took a careless double minor penalty right. in the third period for a high stick. So you know, and and there's there's there are there are sometimes, oh boy, do I use the word lazy there? There are sometimes high risk plays that he makes. It's no mistake. He turned over the puck in game two at the blue line that ended up in the back of the net, a goal by uh, Zabanajad that ended up being the game winner. But the rest of the game, he's he's making plays and he's. He got it. He had a goal in that one as well. So he is a spectacular player who is 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 never at top speed, and that's not a criticism. It's just because that's he doesn't have to be. He's as you say, he's one or two, three steps ahead of the entire play and sees things a different way than than normal players do. Every player who plays with him says the same thing: you need to expect the puck when you least expect it because it'll show up right on your tape out of nowhere. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've seen it now live, calling the games here night in, night out for this team, where you just wonder, how did he do that? Ross Colton scored a buzzer beater against mm-hmm. the um, Florida Panthers, I believe game two, and uh, with like four seconds left on a brilliant pass from behind the net, again, from Kucherov. So just the things that he does and, and his ability to do so um, – you, you take the good with the bad with a guy because there are going to be times when he frustrates you and, and his level, his own personal frustration with his own, he's very hard on himself. So when things aren't going well for his flow and his, his orchestration of the game, I call him the, the conductor or an artist. You know, if, if the painting isn't being painted the, quite the way he, he wants it, he gets frustrated and everybody in the building can see it. But at the same time, 
everybody in the building can see his brilliance on the next shift. It's a, it's a fascinating guy to watch, and he is, you're right, one of the best in the world right now. Dave, really, uh, you've been so generous with your time. I see you everywhere. You're on every podcast. You're on every radio show. I'm seeing your face. I'm hearing your voice. It's awesome that you're doing all that because uh, this team is becoming it's, – it's, you can't not watch them. I almost – I forgot it was a midday game yesterday. I caught myself in the middle of the first. Jeez, oh, I, I was ready to sit down and watch this game. It's a Sunday going to watch some hockey, and I almost missed the darn thing. But luckily, uh, the second and third was enough in that one. So enjoy the ride. It's great to talk to you again. And uh, who knows? Maybe next round we start, we can talk again. Goodness gracious! Yeah, sure, of course. No, it's it's fun. You're right. It is a it's a they're a hot topic right now. So it's fun to talk about them. And and I appreciate coming on with you as always. And uh, somewhere down the road, we will share a fine IPA together. Will do. Thank you, David. You got it. There he is. Thanks, Dave. Dave Randorf, play-by-play voice of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Next round will be uh, Cup Final. If we do, if we if we do talk to him next round, oh. that would be, uh, yeah, that'd be the Stanley Cup final. So they'd only have to win four more that's games. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. To win. Now they got to get the, some work done to this series before they get there. They're not yeah, free. They've yeah, won one yeah, game for sure. Yeah, no doubt. But does it not feel like? Oh dear. Here we go again. The Rangers, meanwhile, are like we're still we're still up two one. Guys, we're leading. Guys, do we still have the? We lead? We have Igor, and he's better. Remember, we're sitting with the lead still, right? Yeah, right. No lead is safe. That game, uh, we'll have that one. We've had all of them. That's all we do is every game. That's because it's that's right. Where else would you go? Uh, let's take a break. We'll come back. A little bit of golf news. I teed this up for you. I said that the uh, the Shaw Charity Classic coming to town, you know, the big event that raises millions of dollars for charities in Calgary and Southern Alberta. It's a press route. Um, to have a tournament, you need to have golfers in the tournament. Yeah, store. sure, sure. These these gentlemen golfers need to agree to come to Calgary and take part in all of that. Sort Preferably of good ones. That's right. The uh, little announcement for you. Oh, yeah. Some some. I'm going to call them big names. All right, big names. All I'm right. Signed on the dotted line. I'm ready. Sportsnet 960, the fan. You're locked on Boomer in the morning. Sportsnet 960, the fan. We're at it. We're got it. We got getting her going here. We got to go. Welcome back to the show. Ken Weeb, Sportsnet, going to join us in Hour 3. He is covering the Avs and Oilers. Must win some serious staving. Needs to be on board for the Oilers here. 6 o'clock start. We've got it for you right here on your radio. Uh, now, Pinder is away, and Pinder's kind of our golf guy. Sent a little note last week. Hey, uh, there's a chance that maybe on Monday's show, I'll be away, but maybe there's a chance you can get... A little birdie told me there might be some news dropping about the Shaw Charity Classic that's coming to town in August. Well, yeah, let's let's definitely do that. Mm. So that uh, mm. no, I don't want to. I'll, I'll leave it up to uh, to the people that uh, you know, the brains of the operation, the tournament director of the Shaw Charity Classic, Sean Van Kesteren, joins us. Sean, good morning, man. How are you? Good morning. Well, it's exciting to uh, it's exciting to talk to you. Now, I was given some some names, and we've uh, it's not for me to break news. But if, if what I'm seeing is correct, this is a significant announcement. It's a good one, yeah. We're really kicking off uh, just two months to go to the Shaw Charity Classic, and we wanted to uh, announce some players. And so we've got some good names. You guys can announce it. I'm not a, I'm not. You guys go for it. <laughs> well, I feel like I'm going to break some news. Yeah, I feel like I'm stealing your thunder. Uh, now, here's the thing. They're big names, and they are, uh, they're no strangers. We'll start with 
1992 Masters champion. He's back once again, Freddie Couples, who loves, and he's unabashed about it. He loves Calgary. He loves the organizers and the circuit, and he is going to be back. That's awesome. Yeah, we're thrilled. Fred, he's awesome. Um, you know, he's had you know significant injuries and, and things over the last number of years, and uh, but he's you know, having a bit of a comeback. He's actually playing a lot more this year, so that's great news. So, sure, Fred's going to join us, and um, you know, he hopes to contend. He's starting to play some real good golf, so we look forward to having him back. I I know the the first year that he showed up, it was the buzz was palpable. You, you, not that not that you needed any kind of validation for this tournament. But when Fred Couples shows up, this now it's now it's a big deal. He wins it in 2014, and and truly is. I I always catch myself between this is a, an amazing event in terms of the competition and the level of players, the caliber of players, and the charity event. Because at the end of the day, I think that's what it's really all about. And so much money is raised. But when Fred Couples shows up, you know that that things have been uh, that, that everything's going great. This is not just a a charity event for these guys. There's there's real reasons to come back to Calgary, and and Fred Couples has talked about that every time. Yeah, he, um, yeah, they're they're still playing to to win, make some money, yeah. uh, and to uh, you know ultimately for a lot of them, is to try to win the Charles Schwab Cup and and some big bonus dollars there, um, you know, inside that competition. But um, no, the uh, sure they love they're they love playing in front of people, um, and, and as you mentioned, when Freddie came in 2014 and won. That was uh, that was pretty significant for us, uh, and um, a lot of, a lot of people came out, which was great, and that really sort of put a lot of momentum for the tournament, to be honest, with you, because that was just year two, so yeah. um, that helped a lot. And then um, yeah, so we've had some some great players ever since. But uh, Freddie's one of those needle movers, uh, and he always has been and always will be. You know, even at the matches, he's still got you know so many people that follow him around. He's just he's just a great guy. You talk about needle movers. Uh, this guy, just a few short weeks ago, he was ever. <laughs> Had a tournament lead early in round one, and it doesn't take long for when if this guy starts to uh, starts to make some noise on the golf course, a lot of people listen. I also saw a video of him. I think uh, taking a belly flop. He was doing some uh, some fun stuff. He is back for his second appearance since 2016. John Daly is coming to town. Big John is coming, yes, uh, which is which is great. He'll be flying over um, with his son, actually, uh, uh, Little John, as he's affectionately known, great golfer in his own right. So actually, Little John's going to be caddying for him, which he hasn't really done much on the circuit. Uh, he's busy with his own uh, golf career, but um, uh, this is going to work out. So his son, Little John, will be on the bag. You never know what you're going to get with John, uh, as I think we all know, those who follow him closely. But, um, you know, he can go and shoot 65. He can go and shoot 78. So you never know what's going to happen on the golf course, but you know, it's going to be entertaining. And um, yeah, as far as needle movers, there, there isn't really anybody, uh, you know, we just talked about Fred, but there really yeah. is anybody that really moves needle more than John. That's just the reality of it. And, and John's awesome. And, uh, and he still smashes it as far as he ever has. So uh, it'll be fun to have him back. The awesome thing about John is just how good he is with his time and how he is with fans. And it's one of the things that both fans and players have talked about with this event is is the proximity, the access that fans have to the players, and I know it'll be no different this year. If you if you buy a ticket, you're I mean you're you're almost rubbing shoulders with these golfers, and to see John Daly in person and up close, you're not going to get that opportunity in many places. No, um, yeah, you're you're pretty much guaranteed to get a photo with him or get an autograph if you're a little bit patient, because um, he will have people chasing him around a little bit. But um, yeah, he'll stay there. You know, he's the first to admit that he wouldn't be where he is without his fans. 
and um, and he likes being around people. He's a people guy, and so uh, he'll be there for hours. But um, yeah, as you mentioned, tickets. And to come for for those folks who don't know, we're, we're with our ten year anniversary. We're offering ten dollar tickets, so that's a significant discount for people who buy a ticket in advance. So there's no reason why people can't come out this year for and you know obviously ten dollar tickets is a pretty good deal, and we hope people will take advantage of it. And the last name, not I mean, you talk about uh, don't leave anybody to the end. Only three uh, major tournament wins for uh, for Padraig Harrington, who is uh, who is coming in as well. The the caliber of players, man, is. Look who we've announced today. You, these are some of the best of our generation. Harrington coming in, and you talk about a guy that can still play and can still hit it. Uh, th- this guy is going to be in, in show. Uh, he's going to be fun to watch. He he's unbelievable. I had a chance to spend some time with him down at, at in Texas a few weeks ago, and uh, he hits it farther than anybody. Uh, it's it's actually quite incredible, and he's still very competitive on the regular tour. Uh, and um, um, it's funny because he's, he's, he, he, he would have thought that he would have won by now uh, on, on the PGA Tour champions. But it uh, doesn't matter how far you hit it on that tour or that circuit. As he said, uh, you know, these guys are just so good. And he's, uh, you know, unless he's hit it closer to the hole than the rest of them, he's, he's not going to win anything. So, uh, so he's eager to start winning some events out here. I think once it, once it gets going, he'll, he'll snowball and, and probably be the top player on tour. Let's talk a little bit, and you kind of dropped it in there. Sean Van Kestren talking about the Shaw Charity Classic coming back to Calgary again in August. The the tickets, the availability, the packages, and all of that, I know that the tournament as a whole, with, with COVID and with limited attendance and all of that, there's a real appetite to try and make up for lost time here. Get people in, make it affordable for everybody. Just talk a little bit about that effort and how we may see record numbers this year. Yeah, there's there's definitely an appetite. Uh, I think you know not just obviously in golf, but in all sports, it's um, you know people seem to want to get out uh, a little bit more. Um, we're trying to encourage people, as, as I mentioned earlier, to, to come up to the golf course, and and ultimately at the end of the day, we want to have as many people out there as possible um, to have a good time, but also to help us raise some money for children's charities across Alberta. And this year we have 260, so that's a record number for us as well. So. Um, yeah, uh, we, we, we see, you know, we're, we're pretty much sold out of our pro-am teams. We're pretty much sold out of a lot of our corporate hospitality packages. Um, this is going to be a banner year for us and, and for all the money that, uh, you know, that, that we raise for children's charity. So it's going to be a great year for us and, and really, um, you know, something to look forward to in a couple months. It is important, and I, I will double back on that. That's a, 260 youth-based charities will benefit from the birdies for kids and, and all of that from this. And I... I, I don't know if I was saying to you, maybe I was talking with uh, with Dorn and we had him on, that it would be easy during COVID or during hard times. Maybe an event like this takes a year off, maybe it's two years off, and then it's hard to get a restart and to rekindle it. And you think if, if it were not for this event and not for the the, philant- the philanthropic efforts from some people in town, we're talking about millions and millions of dollars for kids and, and different charities that just would not be there. It's it's impressive and it's so fantastic that it is back and that it is strong and that the purse, the, the money for the players is is so big that it brings the big names to town. The the impact is huge from a charity standpoint from this event, I guess is the long and short of it. It is. It's yeah, it's 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 the it's it's the purpose of having the event ultimately. Uh and um yeah, we and we see the impact. So obviously we were very fortunate to be able to continue with our birdies for kids program um which is sponsored by Altlink. uh and um uh even when we had the off year when we couldn't play um you know we couldn't get guys up here but obviously last year we we found a way to get people up here even though there's some other events in canada that didn't go off 
at the professional tour level, but we were able to, to, to still pull it off and, and have a successful event last year. Even though it was, we had some, you know, we had to, you know, curtail some of the, the regular activities and limit some of the people we had on site. But um, um, we've been able every year to raise money for children's charity, which again, we haven't been able to, uh, um, you know, we've never failed in that task. So that, that's been important. And um, that's kept the momentum going, as you mentioned. And I know you guys are kind of strategic with it. You'll get a few names as far as golfers that are coming to town, and then you roll them out. When might we expect another uh, group of players to be announced? Oh, I'd say probably uh, 10 to 14 days. Oh, that all right. Yeah, it's, um, it's good. The guys, you know, it's, uh, they're, they're, you know, we're working hard on getting everybody to sign up, and, and some of these folks like to take their time. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, and uh, and again, the uh, they don't want to put their names, especially some of the big guys, on it uh, until they know they're definitely coming, and that and, and they don't want to disappoint people. So, so we uh, we will when we feel very comfortable that they're coming and know that we've got a strong commitment from them, we will announce them. That is awesome, Fred Couples, John Daly, Padraig Harrington coming to Calgary in August for the Shaw Charity Classic. Well done. I, I know it's all you're doing, so congrats to you and no one else on <laughs> getting uh, on get, on getting us to this point. Well done. <laughs> Well, thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Awesome. We'll talk again soon. Take care. Thanks. Thank you. Sean Van Kestren, Shaw Charity Classic, the tournament director. You can go check out the website, shawcharityclassic.com. In its first nine years, $76 million has been distributed to more than 233 youth-based charities. $76 million. And a couple years in there where either it didn't take place or was scaled back. That's staggering. That's really well Isn't done. Isn't that right? Yeah. <laughs> that's so that's and, and and again, that's 76 million. You think about the impact that that can have and just mm-hmm. if there were skeptics, can can this golf course actually host an event of this caliber? Will people come across the border to Calgary? Will they do this? Will ah, it seems like it's a pie in the sky, it's a pipe dream, that sort of thing. Well, some people stuck with it and put their money where their mouth is and now 76 million dollars later it is, uh, it's one of the crown jewels of the, of the entire Champions Tour. And you're getting the big names coming back up here, returning up here as well, like for couples to be coming back up here, playing good golf again after winning in 2014. Like that shows they want to keep coming back. And every time you get the golfers on for the show, they always say, we love coming back to Calgary. There's so many things to do here. And everyone has different reasons. For some, it's fly fishing. For some, it's For a lot. they bring you know bring their wives and they like to go out to the mountains and yep. uh, do whatever you do in the mountains. I suppose. Hey, fine, do whatever you want to do. But if it gets you here and gets you on the course for this event, then so be it. And I'll tell you, you talk needle movers, as mm-hmm. Sean said. John Daly, that's he sells tickets by himself, and he is still, he's still the same guy. Was it three weeks ago? He was on the course, had that early round one lead, and then it's oh there he is. He's at uh, he's at Hooters signing autographs, and there he is, yep, crushing darts and playing uh, slot machines at the casino. And Pinder had the, I I can't remember what it was. I'm sure we could find it. The amount of twenty one, the amount of darts and diet cokes that he destroyed during the round, and drops of water that he consumed. Yeah, like zero, Peanut zero M&Ms. Full shutout, slate, yeah, clean is that, slate. Is that what it was? So it was peanut M&M's, darts, and Diet Cokes. Yeah, and it was like 21 darts, 18 holes. <laughs> Love it. Now, admittedly, I'm, I'm a non-smoker, so, and I don't, I just, so I don't know what 21 
darts in 18 holes is. Maybe that's par for the course, so to no. speak. <laughs> Am I right, guys? Um, but it, it feels like a lot. It feels like a... Oh, really? Well, I, I didn't even... Whatever. You had to. All right. You had to. But it feels like a lot of darts. Yeah, 21's a lot of darts, boom. That's a pack. Pack plus one. What do they call that? A baker's pack? I don't know what they call it. I don't think they call it a baker's a ba- pack. A baker's pack of cigarettes? Are you a smoker? No. Do you... Uh, I you have were, in the past. You were golfing. Is it... Uh, yeah. No. Every once in a while, it'll be a big cigar. But never mm-hmm. cigarettes. Well, either way, maybe you can. Who knows how many he'll have here? You can you can follow him around <laughs> and keep track if you want. I guess so. If that's what you want to do, ten buck ticket. Do the math. More expensive darts up here, though. Oh, I think he'd bring his own, eh? Yeah, maybe. You yeah. think he'd probably yeah, just probably. have cartons and cartons of them? Yeah. Plus, American cigarettes They're are different. different. Yeah. They're yeah. they hit a little different, you know. Pungent, yeah. I believe, is the term. 10th anniversary of the event, as low as 10 bucks to get in and check this out. Uh, as, as Sean was saying, now, when, when he said the, uh, the Pro-Am is sold out, it's to compete in the Pro-Am. Mm. You buy a ticket, you're good for the, mm. for the Pro-Am. You get in, that's, it's free for spectators to attend. There's volunteer opportunities still available if you were looking to take part in that form instead. Shawcharityclassic.com. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Go do it. And be listening, as uh, Sean mentioned, more names coming up. Uh, this is from Jeff. What's up, Jeff? Jeff! Hi, Jeff. Texting in, uh, hey, Boom, I'm a moderate smoker. I smoke six during a round of golf. So that would be less than, than what Daly did. Morning, boys. That's a small pack, a large pack, 25 darts in a day. Full king size. It is a lot. So 25... At 25 is the king size. And where are you putting, if you just think about, how many Diet Cokes? If you think of, just take like a a, a five-gallon pail and pour that many cans of Diet Coke into it. And then just take a step back and look at it and think, that's going right into the gullet. And then you pour six bags of M&Ms right into into it. Yeah, because that takes up space, right? You're not just instantly breaking those things down. You think he gets the card exemption? Oh, for sure. I would try. Does he golf anywhere without it? I would definitely try. <laughs> oh, good on him. Good on him. Uh, what else? So we're, we, uh, we're coming up on the top of the hour. We are going to uh, talk to Ken Weeb coming up in the next segment. Kenny is uh, covering that, uh, that Edmonton Avs series. Do you think he has a flight booked for Denver, or do you hold off? Do you book it just in case, or do you... Uh, you know what I'll say? I would do it just in case, much more so than I would... Um, like I saw a couple of Oilers fans throw up on social media, really believe and book non-refundable tickets to Denver for Game 7. So that's the that's what they're doing to help the cause? I saw a few of those out on Twitter today. Okay. Feels... What's the word? Delusional. Well, I was going to use foolish, but if you want to go to that part. Fair enough. We'll talk to him coming up uh, in just a matter of moments. Six o'clock at game four tonight. 
Uh, we need to still some other things we need to talk about today. Like what? Um, how many pool balls can Yes a pool yarby <laughs> fit in his mouth? Jeez. Oh, what, what it was that making what? Somebody te- somebody texted in earlier, and it's become a thing. Now Pinder brought Why it to my attention, so I don't know if it's a social media, I don't know if it's a Twitter thing, but there is a great debate as to how many pool balls <laughs> Pool Yarvey can fit in his mouth. Now I don't know if that's if, if that's fair. That seems like does he does he have a big mouth? I that's what I don't know. Like he's got a huge smile. He almost looks like he the sure Cheshire does. cat yeah, yeah. when he smiles. So I don't know. I don't like the sound of it. It sounds to me, it, it, it's very disrespectful, quite honestly, to me. I just see a lot of photos um, that he, he he's uh, he's very expressive when he's on the ice. His kind, of, his kind of tongue is hanging out and he's... Oh, uh, yeah, it's going in his nose. Right? So I can't speak to it. I don't know that he has uh, tried or can fit pool balls in his mouth. Or, and I've never thought how many could he. But it's I think something the maximum for humans probably one. I would agree. Maybe we can ask Ken Weeb. Maybe that can be some game day <laughs> stuff, kind of lighten the mood. Hey, Ken, <laughs> have you thought of asking Jay Woodcroft how many pool balls he's seen Jesse Puliyarvi put in his mouth? Yeah, before? like have they have they done it like a drinking game kind of a thing? All right, we're doing team building today. He's nine beer deep. Grab the snooker balls. Now, snooker is smaller, right? It's I don't know. So we'll talk maybe about that with Ken Weeb coming up. Yeah, and the cue balls are also smaller than the actual play balls. Are they? I don't know. Yeah. yeah Slightly, know. though. Not Sn- like snooker to pool. That's significant. Not my forte. Difference. Breaking and coming back. a bunch of golf balls in his mouth. With our boy Ken Weeb. Sportsnet 960, maybe the fan. one tennis. 